Blog Talk Radio. Oh, it is such a pleasure to be back here with you all on this Saturday morning. I am so excited. We were had a, a couple of weeks where we didn't have any live shows. So this is our first live show back after a couple of weeks. So really excited and looking forward to today's show on the very first day of October in 2011. So I hope you are enjoying the weather here in Philadelphia. It's a it's a mild mild day, mild temperatures, and just a gorgeous day. Wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying your day, and I hope you truly enjoy listening to today's show here at Off the Shelf. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and before I go into that, I want to thank our loyal listeners who've been with us for seven years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those who it might be your first time tuning in, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and again, as I was Alluding earlier, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I thank you, thank you, whether it's your first time or your hundreds, hundreds of time listening to Off the Shelf for tuning in. And I encourage you not to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of Long Walk Up. It is a powerfully moving, inspirational book. What happens to this young girl in uh, East Africa and what comes of her life she has a, a, a historic event that makes history in her life from her humble, humble beginnings. You will read this book and know that whatever is set in your heart to do, you can accomplish it. This little girl, Mulliken, she will inspire you. You can pick up a copy of Long Walk Up at Amazon.com, Barnes & no- Noble, Walmart, any bookstore. And if you don't sit on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it. It's also at www.chistel.com. C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com, which is my website, and never charge you shipping and handling. Or you can also get it at ebookit.com. That's ebookit.com. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. Our special guest today is Melissa Miller. Melissa is the author of the books Trinity's Hope and Destiny's Journey. She is also a graduate of Southern University and a writer. She's a short story writer and a poet. And her books are available in ebook format at smashwords.com. That's one of the popular ebook distributors. Again, at Smashwords, uh, spelled just the way it sounds, S-M-A-S-H-W-O-R-D-S.com. And I'm sure she'd love for you to go over there to smashwords.com, do a search for Trinity's Hope, and then Destiny's Journey, and, and grab a copy of her book so you can read. And then as you listen to today's show, you can think back to how she, some of the ways she created the books and some of her motivations for creating them. You can also purchase Melissa Miller's books from booksellers like Amazon.com. And I know Melissa would love for you to visit her online at writtenworks.net, spelled the way it sounds, writtenworks.net. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I'm so looking forward to today's show. I love and love the covers on on your books. Thank uh you, you can you can run but you can't hide. You there have you to use the gifts God gives you. That's you can right. run, you can run, you can run, but you can't hide. You have to use the gifts God gives you. That's a quote at your website. Melissa, right. did you run from the gift of writing? And if so, how long did you run? You know, I, I 
won't say that I ran, but I was not really aware of how, of what a gift it was. I took it for granted for so long. In my work life, I, I did a lot of writing. I did policy writing, policy, policy statements, and, and um, training materials. But I knew there was more inside of me. But I, I think I was more shrinking back, you know, and not wanting to really step up and, and use my gifts and show my gifts and write about what God had put inside of me. So and, you um, said you... No, go ahead. No, I was just saying my grandfather was very ill, and um, he's the one um, shortly before he passed away that said that to me. Um, and uh, at that point, I had been making every excuse in the world why I wasn't writing from the creative voice, you know, that was inside of me. And when he said that to me, and then shortly thereafter made his transition to go to heaven, I knew he'd left me with a responsibility and a mandate to go deep inside and get all my issues out of the way and to use what God had put in me because I, you know, I couldn't just say anymore, I don't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't have an excuse because I knew then we only have a certain amount of time on this earth Yes. what God's given us. And I did not want to stand before God today and try to explain, you know, why I didn't do, I, didn't, I had buried my talents. You know, I didn't want yeah. to be that kind of a wicked servant. So that was a wake-up call for me. Now you said, but you said you weren't aware. Now I've I've heard of people, uh, some people have told me they've, they've, they've known, and it might not have been a writing, it might have been something else. They've known they were... Uh, there's just uh, something in them that's calling them towards something, and they've known it for years, sometimes over 10, 15 years, but they ran away from it because it was something they didn't think they wanted to do. Uh, so th- it doesn't sound like you were exactly running because you said you weren't aware. So maybe it wasn't until your grandfather said that to you that you became aware that, oh, yeah, this is this is what I should be doing. Right. I think I think in my perspective I thought it was something everybody could do. I didn't recognize it as a gift. You know, I didn't okay. write well. And I and that's something when we were in work situations. At the time, I was in, in grad school and working with a group of women on a team, and they would always ask me to write the papers. And I just thought anybody could sit down and put words together, and it made sense. I took for granted that so many people don't have that kind of free flow, and, and they really struggle to put words on paper. And I mm. had to recognize that sometimes people have a gift to actually write and express words where other people, their gift is something else. And so I didn't really esteem it highly like I should and really value it. I just took it for granted. I I did it in work situations. You know, I just thought, well, it's just my job, you know. But I I did not see in it the calling. I didn't recognize the mandate. I didn't realize that God had put something in me that he intended for me to share with people through this venue of writing. And so when you don't value something, you take it for granted. And that's kind of the place I was in, that I could just do it. But these ladies helped me understand. They were like, oh, no, no, no. I sit in front of this computer for hours and can't write one paragraph. Yeah. And you can sit here in 10 minutes and, you know, push out three pages. So you definitely have a, a gift. And when they said that, I realized, wow, you know, I really need to take this seriously and really go inside myself and say, why am I not using this? Because I've always had stories in my mind. I always had a creative mind. 
but I realized I didn't have confidence in my abilities. Uh, I didn't have confidence okay. that anybody would want to hear what I had to say. Wow. So if there, any was, before, there were a lot of oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Before we go into talking about your books, because I definitely want to talk about your novels and some of your poetry and short stories, if any of our off-the-shelf listeners, and they're listening in there, and they may have tuned in for a reason without knowing it, but if any of them are running from an inborn gift or something that it was planted in them to do before they even came here, I think about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, he didn't, want to lead the civil rights movement. He didn't sign up for that. But it's funny right. that he was chosen for that. But he didn't want to do it. And Harriet Tubman wanted to buy her freedom. She didn't, uh, Underground Railroad wasn't in her in her mind. But it, sometimes the what we want is not exactly what's planted in us by our creator for us to do. So it's almost like you're going against yourself when you run. But for any of our off-the-shelf listeners who are running, I mean, they know. They know there's something right. for them to do, but like you said, they may be lacking confidence or they may think, oh, nobody will support this. You're not going to find out right. until you do it. But exactly. anybody who's running from it, they may think they don't, they won't enjoy it or they're afraid of how people will respond to the gift, maybe tease them or say, are you crazy? You can't do that. You can't start your own business. What encouraging, what, what encouraging words would you say to them uh, that person or those people, they know, they know. There's no doubt they know, but they're running from right. it. So they stop running and step right into it. Well, you know, I would say the same thing that, that was made clear to me, you know, with my grandfather um, on his deathbed saying to me, you know, you can run, but, you know, you can't hide from this. You you need to use it. And I realized the time is of the essence. You know, we don't, when you go through something like that and some, a loved one you know, slips away from you and your only hope of seeing them again is, you know, on the other side of glory, then it puts a different mindset on things. And you realize that we only have now. We only have today. You know, there's, you can't go back and fix things. You can't live in tomorrow. You have to capture today, you know, and realize that it's more than just you. It's not just about you. It's not just about my comfort level. You know, there's something out there that people need to hear. There's a positive message in our society that someone is searching for, and you could be the one with the answer to that person's need. And so it wasn't just about me at that point. I realized that God had given me something for someone else. And the moment I stepped outside of myself and stopped worrying about how it was going to make me look or feel and realize, you know, I've got to go ahead and write this. For me, it became important because my children were watching me. And I wanted to leave something for them that says, you know what, if you follow your dreams, you will see your dreams come to pass. And so I know I needed to create vision in them so that if they had a dream, if they had a hope, then the next generation would know you have to pursue your dreams. You can't just wish and hope and then get old and live your shoulda, woulda, coulda. You have every opportunity mm. now. You know, you so like take advantage of it, you know, to start today. You know, you and I, I found myself coaching people who have these books inside of them and dreams inside of them, and I tell them just start with one line, just one paragraph, one page every day. Take 10 or 15 or 20 minutes out of your day, get over in the corner with a journal or your laptop or your desktop and just write something. Just get it out because the more you start, 
the more you'll be encouraged to keep going. And don't judge it. Don't, you know, oh, it's not good. Just just do it. Because what you will find is when you pull it out of yourself and look at it, then it becomes real. Mm-hmm. And you go, wow, I did that. Right. And, and if, that if you have some accomplishment will, will push you forward. If you ha- and if you have something that's been planted in you, even before you went from non-physical to physical, it, mm-hmm. it's not going to go away. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. You're going to constantly all. feel it. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. So that that's something else that I would share. Which, which did you start writing first, Melissa? Short stories, poetry, or novels? Which which was your very first form when you sat down and put pen to paper? You know, my my very first form was writing little yeah. poems when I was a little girl. And, you know, okay. I can remember birthdays and Christmas. You know, when you're a kid, you never have any money. You know, you might get an allowance, but you never have anything to buy gifts. And so I would write little poems for Mother's Day or little poems for Christmas and give them, you know, wrap them up with a little ribbon or something and decorate them with crayons and give them to my family as gifts. And it would be, you know, roses are red, fathers are blue, I think you're pretty and you're special too. You know, just little poems mm-hmm. like that. You know, but I, it was never anything that I said, oh, I'm going to go up and be a writer. I'm going to go up and be a pro. I never connected that with a with a vocation or, or an employment. And, it, and you know, tr- it's true where the Bible says your gift will make room for you because as I got into school and got into education, that's the one thing that continued to come up with that writing. And people would say when I turn in reports for the job, they'd say, you know, you write really well. And I, I just thought everyone did. I really truly was clueless that it wasn't something unique to certain people. And um, and so I, I began, but it wasn't until I was, you know, nearly, I hate to say, to say nearly 40, when I actually seriously began to listen. Wow. And pay attention to what stories and what messages were being imparted to my heart that became these novels and these books and these concepts. Wow. You know, which, the ideas that formulated wow. a writing career. You know, it, it took a long time. It took a long but, but, time. And it was, but, you know. <laughs> but you got there it, and you it, celebrate. You you celebrate. I, I did. I did. And, 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 and so, and, also and, and, to people, you know, it's never too late. You know, yes. you haven't gone too far. You're not too old. You know, you can start wherever you are. You know, if you have a voice, you have a gift. Use it. Use it. You, you never. You can be ninety. You can write. You know, take yes. somebody to type it for you. But you know what I'm saying. You're never too old. You celebrate talking about celebrating. You celebrate romantic love in in your in your books and your written works. What types of romantic expressions can you can you share with our off the shelf listeners? Do you express in your book love notes? But, you know, Love Notes is very funny because um, I I was, again, it was this little poetry thing where I would get this idea about something and write it down. And I was in a situation where a couple of friends of mine, one friend, her daughter was getting married, another friend, she was getting married. And she asked, they both asked me if I could write um, some poetry for them um, one the, the younger lady wanted something to go on her wedding website, and the older lady wanted something for her own wedding. And um, I started looking through my email files, I mean my computer files, and 
my journals, and I realized I had all these little poems that I'd written, and um, I hadn't done anything with them. <laughs> and I was kind of exploring the concept of um, exploring the concept of using self-publishing, some of the self-publishing venues out there. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, what an opportunity to see what it's like to try out some of these um, sites and to go through the process. So I literally um, put this little book together of poems and collections that I had literally on the backs of envelopes and, you know, on pieces oh, okay. of paper. And, you know, where I just, and, and they all kind of had the same theme of, okay. of celebrating different types of love. And so the poem that I wrote for the young lady getting married was just how when you first meet someone and the excitement you you feel when you see them across the room and you realize they're looking at you, you know, just like you're looking at them, you know, mm-hmm. and then you begin to share a word and you share a smile and before you know it you're sharing a, a plan and a hope and a dream and then you're sharing love. And you realize okay. at this point we, we have the beginning of something new that never yeah. existed before and it's called love. Wow. Okay. And and so, you know, that's something to celebrate, you know, that, wow. Yeah. And, and it, you know, the story, the last line of the poem says, and so the journey begins. You know, what what was you and what was me is now us, and it's a new journey. Wow. Well, you know, okay. and so just little things like that. And then uh, one of one of the ones I want that's a favorite is about brown sugar. And it, it was written, inspired by my husband, because my husband's a very quiet man, where I'm very talkative, he's very quiet. So I'm more mm-hmm. like white sugar, you know, bold, and you see it, you hear it, but he's more like brown sugar. You know, brown sugar is subtle, but it's a very mm-hmm. distinct flavor, but it allows other flavors to blend when you yeah. have cinnamon. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but it's, a, you know, it's always in your cabinet when you need some brown sugar. You always got a box over there. You know, it's strong, it's firm, you can mm-hmm. pack it together. And I, and I pulled from his strength, and I think my daughter and I were making cookies and brownies one day, and we were talking about this brown sugar, and then that night I sat down and I wrote that poem, you know, about the qualities of brown sugar and how that relates to the relationship between my husband and I. Um, Okay. And so that that became part of the book. And um, I think another favorite of mine is a poem about what about this love. And that one really um, talks about older love, you know, when you've been through some stuff. Maybe you had some bad relationships. Maybe you had some disappointments. Maybe you lost somebody to death. But as an older person, it's like you're not into playing games anymore. You know, you want something in your home. This is like if you're baking, you know, a pie. You walk in the door and it smells good. It greets you in the face. You know, that's the kind of love you want, something that's easy, something that's sweet, something that's filling and satisfying. It doesn't have to be sparks. We don't have to shake from the chandeliers all the time. But we're just comfortable in one another's love. You know, mm-hmm. and we're not playing games. It's just you and me. You accept me with my lumps and bumps, and I accept you with your ball spots or whatever. But we just we're settled into our <laughs> love, and, and that's such a wonderful place to be. You know, yes. when you just settle, you don't have to be perfect because I'm not perfect. But I take you as you are and love you with just a pure love because you you honor me and I honor you. And so okay. many women has gotten to the point when they read that, they go, you know, that's exactly what I want. That's exactly wow. You don't have to take me to Jamaica. You don't just love me every day. Mm-hmm. Just show up. Be present in the moment. Be honest. Okay. Be faithful. Be loving. Be sharing. Be giving. Be appreciative. And that's what makes love good. 
Yes. I can tell. No, and I can tell you're passionate so, about. Yeah, you're passionate absolutely. about uh, uh, that, the, the commitment to it. Is Souls of My Sisters, Melissa, is that, because you've written so many words, before we t- start talking about Trinity's Hope, right. is Souls of My Sisters, is that an anthology of short stories, or is it a compilation of, uh, uh, is it a nonfiction book that shares the real-life experiences that other women have shared with you? It is. It's 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 an anthology that is um is being released. I'm I'm thinking it's gonna be released later this year. Um but is it short stories or are they real life stories? They're, they're real life stories. Oh okay. and, um and the concept is that it was it was a story that many, many, many women, I think there's probably close to maybe thirty or forty women that submitted stories that have different themes. Wow. But they they come under the umbrella of faithfulness and the grace of God. And and what these two ladies um that are editing the book were looking for were not just stories of how of, of that I overcame something, but the how. You know, what were the steps and what was your okay. experience so that when you tell somebody, oh you can make it through you're not just saying you can make it through, but you're making it through with this or by doing this. And mm-hmm. the essay I wrote um, involved uh, a situation with my husband and the illness that he's dealing with and how I had to find my strength in the Lord and how I had to spend mm-hmm. that time when I wanted to give up and walk away, just spending time in prayer and how God strengthened me through other people, through the scriptures, through just my singing um, in my own time, he reminded me of his faithfulness and encouraged me to keep going. And um, so that was a piece. And, and I and I love that the, the the compilation of the book because they did one previously. Um, I believe it came out in 2010 um, called Souls of My Young Sisters, where there are young 20-something ladies that wrote. Um, essays about their lives and the good and the bad, and and that's how I found out about this particular um, anthology. And when I submitted um, the story that of what my family was going through, it was accepted. And uh, oh, well, and congratulations! And and since they have experience, they have experience at this. They obviously know how to get the word out and market these type of anthologies. And I think exactly. that when you have a, an anthology where they're People, several people's experiences being shared at once that might add an extra benefit, especially a nonfiction uh, type of a book right. to the reader. To and, the, they can yeah. get... and what I like about it is that the stories offer hope. You know, there's a lot of people that write memoirs and they've had really bad tragedies in their life, but sometimes when you get to the end of the story, you feel very heavy. You know, you mm-hmm. walk away feeling kind of sad, but these stories are very uplifting. You know, you, you, you're rooting for these women. You know, when they come out of it, they're celebrating, and you're celebrating with them. And that's the difference in, in this book than some of the other ones that, that I've read sometimes when, when people tell those true life stories. And, and it's not that you shouldn't tell your story. I just believe you should make some hope in with it and, mm-hmm. and some victory and some overcoming. Um, you know, I, I think writing and the arts are meant to lift and encourage and, and to make you come away feeling better than you did when you opened the pages. So, okay. um, And I like why, why? the souls of my sisters does that. 
Why did why did you choose? Uh, now we want to talk about Trinity's Hope. Why did you choose to give Trinity Hope, which is the name of one of the main characters in Trinity's Hope for our off the shelf listeners? Why did you choose to give Trinity? She has somewhat of a sheltered childhood. Why did you choose to have her have such a sheltered childhood? Well, I think I saw, I, I, I likened her to. Um, kind of like my daughter, um, and I, I initially wrote Trinity's Hope with my daughter in mind. I have one daughter and four sons, and she's the oldest, so she's been with me the longest, and we kind of have a unique relationship. Um, and so, you know, like any mother, you just want the best for your child. You know, if you could mm-hmm. keep every possible evil thing in the world away from your child and keep them protected so that they only know good, you know, then that's you know, what you want for your babies. Nobody wants to grow up and, and see their children, you know, turn out badly or have never experienced. You you can't protect them from it. But my hope was to give her the best possible chance at love and relationships that I could. And so I found myself thinking of what would I say to her if she were about to leave and go to college and leave my home and, and um, what would I say to help her navigate life? when it comes to relationships. Mm. And as you can tell, a lot of the things I write about are focused on relationships. And I know that I've kind of had discussions with different people in the industry about this, and it's it's almost like I feel a little bit like a trailblazer in the sense that I want to birth what we call the relationship novel, which is not like a romance novel because that's something that kind of women like to read. But a relationship Mm -hmm. novel comes from male and female perspective, male and female main character, where you equally see the inside and the outside of their heart and their thinking and their motives and their actions. And so, and and a lot of people say, well, you're going to have to educate people as to what that means. So when I'm looking at Trinity, this is a young lady who's coming from a family that's given her every possible advantage. Mm -hmm. But she's shy by nature. So she's not willing to just meet people. She she doesn't really like conversation. She's not a conversationalist. She likes to deal with people one-on-one on her own terms. She's probably a little bit uh, snooty, as you'd say. You know, her family, parents, doctor, you know, family's done well. But she has, she's been raised in a family of believers, so she has a foundational faith. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was important to write a book for young girls who are like that, because a lot of girls are raised in families where they don't have a lot of issues growing up. Their parents have worked very hard to raise them in a good environment. And, you know, when we look at a lot of novels that are on the market for teens and young women, a lot of them talk about all the bad things that girls experience. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, that's great if that's your experience, but what if that's not your experience? What if you were raised in a white bread home where nothing ever happened? You know, you went to work, you went to school, you went to church, you went to, you know, went on vacation, and you never got involved with the police or the streets or drugs or, you know, or sex at a young age. What if that was just not your experience? And a Mm -hmm. lot of girls are like that, and then they leave home and go away, and they fall into this dynamic of college life and end up with all kind of crazy circumstances happening. Um, So I I wanted to place a young girl in a situation where she had to deal with a relationship and still hold on to her values. Because we've seen it done wrong, but have we ever seen it done right? Mm. And so she's coming from a family. I'm sorry, go ahead. uh, Without giving the story away, 
What mm-hmm. does Trinity learn? If you can just tell us maybe a couple of things uh, for off-the-shelf listeners to whet their appetite about Trinity's hope. What does Trinity learn about love? Again, without giving a story away, you would think you said she's grown up in a family. She has a foundation of belief in our Creator. What does she learn about love? She's had obviously seen love between her parents and her parents' right. love for her and her siblings' love for her and vice versa. But what does she learn about love while she's away from home at college that she didn't learn when she was at home? Well, the, the funny thing about it is as much as she's not interested in being around guys, the first day on campus she meets a young guy and in a very conspicuous way. And he then becomes someone who is very involved in her life through classes and, and different things like that, so they develop a friendship. So okay, can I just ask? Learned, I want to just ask a quick question. Is this the first time she's ever dated? She's never dated before. Never dated. Never been okay. Kissed, never held hands. N- never went you to know, the movies with nobody or nothing. Okay. Never went to the movies. Homeschooled a lot. Um, and, and part of that is because of her personality. Part of that is because her family's involved in a lot of missionary work and ministry, so she doesn't have a quote unquote normal life. Okay. And that she travels with her family. And then her personality is she's a shy person, very reserved, not okay. very talkative, not very open to meet people. Not and, and, and on the inside is really afraid of messing up the family legacy and becoming ah. and making bad mistakes. So when she goes into dealing with guys, her thing is, I'm just going to act like they don't exist. Okay. But when she's placed in a college situation, she has to deal with them. And so okay. what, what she learns in a nutshell is when your parents have given you all this wisdom and they've poured all this into you, then you then have to live your faith and make it real for yourself. Mm. How do you make the right choices? How do you stand your ground? when you have a certain belief system and you have some goals in your life, how do you make that happen for yourself? So it's a very empowering story in the sense that she makes some hard, tough choices, but she understands the value of self-preservation. Because if I don't protect myself and my heart, no one else will. Mm-hmm. And I that's the lesson that young women need to learn. It, it may sound selfish, but you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to mm-hmm. learn how to guard your heart. You can't just run with anybody and everybody. You have to be particular about who you allow in your inner circle. And she does this very well, learning to read people and understand who's coming as a friend and who's coming as a foe. Mm-hmm. And how do I acknowledge who's going to be a good influence for me and who's going to be a negative influence? Because we go after relationships for all the wrong reasons. You know, we, a lot of young girls have this thing about, I love me a thug. But, you know, thugs are thugs for a reason. You know what I mean? Mm. And if you mm-hmm. have somebody troubled in your life, they're going to bring trouble with them. Right. But we do it because we think that's the thing to do. When that does, you know, if they don't add something to your life, they're going to take something away from your life. And right. you end up, constantly being beat down, your heart then takes a beating and your trust level then takes a nosedive. So when someone that's wonderful comes, then you have a hard time accepting it because you think they're going to do you the same way that other people did you. Right, So you have to learn when you're first beginning to get involved with people and relationships, how do you pick and choose? 
and how do you put up that that wall to your life that you just don't let everybody in your business. You don't let everybody in your room. You don't let everybody in your bed. Everybody's not worthy to sit on the front row of your life. So how do mm. you, who should be there and who needs to be out of the building, not even okay. on the block? And she does that very well. And I think part of this book is to really give people an example. Uh, mm. One of the goals... And I encourage mothers to buy this book for young girls and read it themselves and then share it with their daughters and then discuss it because it does kind of help you understand and navigate and negotiate relationships and how you get people out of it. So it's an entertaining story, but I'm a teacher at heart, so I'm going to leave a message. I'm always going to leave a message. Okay. Uh, And I'm hoping that that's something that women will grab because I, I have a passion for mothers and daughters to improve their relationships and value their relationships because we have too much history of mothers and daughters not getting along. And mm. I, I so much better. You okay, know, so that's a... That's a the dialogue, that, you know? That's something else then that you cover in in your novels. Or each of your novels, Melissa, uh, are they about people in the... And I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Carondelet family, are each of your novels, do they have at least somebody from that family in them? And where did you get that name, first of all? <laughs> Why did you choose? Well, the, na- the name uh, Carondelet, it's Carondelet, um, oh, okay. came, came from um, a, a particular, it's actually Haitian, it's a French-Haitian type organization from some, some years ago in the 1700s of, of a black order of nuns that took care of children. And one of the characters in the book is the mother, Acacia, who was orphaned as a child and raised by um, uh, in an orphanage. And so this entire family, I really started out writing the one book, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a large family. It's a family where they have uh, eight children. Um, but and and I and I was just thinking about this great family who started with nothing and in a generation turn their entire family dynamic around. And so the book, the series begins with the youngest daughter. But as I was writing the first book, then the idea for other stories began to come out of the the family story. So the second book, Destiny's Journey, is about one of the other sisters. And mm, there's which I was, another book yeah, that's coming ahead. that's about one of the other sisters named Grace. And okay. so there's about six stories all together that have actually been written, and um, two of them, three of them are now in publication, and two of them are out. You know, the next ones are, are work, we're working on those to come. But this is a, a long series, and each of the stories deals with another aspect of love and relationships. And then through those stories, the other stories of the father and the mother are being told at the same time. So they so kind of weave the- together. Give us the titles of the books that are published so our off-the-shelf listeners can go and look for those. What are the titles of the books in the series that are already on the market? We know They're already know on the Trinity. market are Trinity's Hope and Destiny's mm-hmm. Journey. Excuse me, Destiny's okay. Journey was just made available uh, everywhere um, starting in September, in the in August, early September. And probably sometime next year, I don't have a production date, but Destiny's Promise is the next book in the series. Um, okay. Are de- are de- now they're eight children. Are Destiny and Trinity are they are they close in age? Are they about the same age? I know you said Trinity is the youngest. 
if I'm if I'm re- remembering correctly. But are yes. the two sisters are they are they close in age? No, no, they're not. Actually, Trinity's uh, in this in this story when it starts, she's about she's uh, nineteen. 19, 20 years old, and Destiny's about 10 years older, almost 30. Um, wow. Now, De- so Destiny, she's one of the older children. Trinity's the youngest in the family. Destiny's one of the oldest. And it's it's really interesting, and, I, and I'm not giving the story away, but the way the books weave one into the other, Destiny is is in Trinity's Hope, comes to spend some time with her, um, you know, in the story, and so the, the audience and readers are introduced to her, and you get a little bit about her life, and she talks about her plans. But when we begin her story, um, you find that she's in a different place. Some things have happened in her life, and she's made some choices. And whereas um, she's now facing some major life changes and, and going through some healing. And her story is a little bit different from Trinity's in that Trinity's um, hope has her learning about love. Destiny is recovering from some bad decisions because of love. Um. And so it speaks to a different audience of women and men in the sense of it, it, the overarching question or the topic in Destiny's journey is how do you as a man love a woman back to wholeness after she's been wounded by a man? And what's your responsibility as a man in loving this woman who's broken? Wow. Do you just give up and say she's got so many issues? Or do you really let love help her get healed? Wow. You know, you know, and, and, and De- Destiny feels... Uh, um, when I was working on the interview, the questions for the interview, and doing the research work for it, Destiny feels like she's missing something, and it almost seems like she doesn't. Maybe she is aware of it, but it, the awareness it seems to grow if she was already aware when she sees Trinity's found romantic love. It's like she. It's like this. Uh, if there wasn't a gap there that she didn't see, as soon as she saw Trinity so happy, she sees this gap. And is, I wanted yeah. to ask you is, is a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Number one is is competition a part of the family, a natural part of the family, and why wouldn't Destiny just be happy for Trinity? And the last question is why would why would Destiny feel the need to rush out and jump into another relationship herself? Just because her sister has somebody in her life. Well, you know, you've 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 answered all of them. That yes, that uh, jealousy and and competition, all of that. And you know, what what you find when you when you meet Destiny and Destiny's journey, you could probably, even though they come from this amazing family with this amazing faith, she's probably the one that you immediately notice is a little man hunger in the very beginning. Mm, okay. And, and wants to be married so bad. And when her younger sister finds love and doesn't even want a relationship, she almost she literally gets offended. So oh, she's okay. like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I've been waiting. I'm the first decent man that comes along. I'm going for it. And that and and the choice she made gave her some catastrophic consequences. Wow. And so Not, when I, we pick up the story. She's dealt with. She's dealing with this pain that she's caused. The pain, the guilt, 
you know, the relationship has ended and now she's broken. So where do you pick up the pieces and begin again? Mm. And that's where her story begins. And so what what what's happened to her, she is not wanting to let anyone know. So what she does is she leaves New York where she's been working and her parents have their their family has a, a mission ministry, a medical ministry in Africa, in East Africa, okay. Tanzania. So she goes there for, uh, her parents say, why don't you just go there and work for a while? You can go and heal, you can go and, you know, work, you can go and rest, you can work, you know, just do some things other than just get out of the city, you know, do, make a change. Mm-hmm. And so in going there, she's seeking to find herself again, seeking to reestablish her foundation, seeking to do some healing without being in the company of all these people who, men who might be trying to date her and, you know, the pressure of how you, you know what I'm saying, be in a different environment. But when right. she goes there, she's very bitter. And the people who she's around there, um, someone who has admired her for many, many years, is excited that she's coming. But when he meets her, he sees she's not the same woman he remembers. Okay. And so very early on, this dynamic of this relationship is there where she's angry and she's fighting and she's lashing out. And this man who's loved her from afar now has to figure out, what do I do with her? How do I love her? How do I, how can I help her see that I'm not the enemy? And he doesn't understand, so there's a lot of tension until he gets an idea. And so that's why I like to call this book Relationship Novels, because if you've ever been a man trying to love a hurting woman, you have to realize, I don't, you know, that's that's a hard place to yeah. be. And you realize, you know, we <laughs> know that hurting versa. people hurt I think other people. Vice versa, yes. Well, and yeah. unintentionally, so, you're trying to protect yourself like an animal that's been injured. Exactly. Exactly. You're just trying to protect so, yourself and then doing... Again, you don't know who's friends or foe. You just know you look like the one that put me in this trap. Yeah, right. You know, and even though you're coming to help to free me from the trap, I'm fighting the help that's trying to come. Right. And if men don't understand that about women, they will walk away every time, not understanding that you have to just continue to show and demonstrate love, even when she's cursing, even when she's throwing stuff at you, even when she's hanging up the phone and slamming the door in your face, you have to persevere and press into love because you have Mm. to prove to her that you are not going to be the enemy, that you're not the enemy. And if I would say anything to men, especially men of color, we we know you're not the enemy, but we can't tell the difference because so many that look like you have put us in this place. So if you really do want to love us, then please just keep coming back. But do it the right way. Show love. Demonstrate love. Send me cards. Send me letters. Prove your love to me so that I can trust you once again. You know, you are... sometimes our hearts are little just in pieces, and we can't take another disappointment. You know, and we tell everybody, just stay away. If you're not coming to help, stay away. But if you are coming to help, you've got to do so much more. I'm sorry, yeah. but you do have to pay for what they did because <laughs> you have to prove you're not you're not the enemy. Right. And, they, and sometimes guys don't understand that. You know, they just think, oh, she's just evil. But she liked it for a reason. Yeah, and it, like we said about the injured animal, and and one, once it knows it can trust you, it won't snarl and snap at you anymore. Exactly. But it's only doing that because it has already been hurt uh, tre- right. tremendously. 
and it's just for t- trying to protect itself. It's really a beautiful creature, like we all are. We're just a exactly. product of our life experiences and our perceptions of those experiences. I can tell you are so passionate about this. I'm telling you, you are you are pulling me into your stories. I'm listening to you, and I can tell you have so much passion about what you are writing about. I, I wanted to know, Destiny and Trinity, for some reason their relationship intrigued me. Before Trinity left for college, I know Destiny's 10 years old, and I worked with a woman who told me she felt like an only child because her, her youngest sibling was like 10 years older than her, so she didn't feel like uh-huh. she had siblings. They're so much older than you. And and they're not they don't play with you, they just kinda like tell you what to do. Um Right. But Destiny and Trinity, did they have a close relationship? Well they did, but you know the thing about it is when Trinity um was a baby, Destiny was older. And in in the story, Destiny's an OBGYN. And one of the things that's revealed in her story is she became a doctor you know, not because she's passionate I mean, she's passionate about women's health issues, but she loves babies. And so when Trinity was a baby, she loved her like that. And so her their relationship is a little different in the sense that Destiny was was so much older, and she had a, a, an affinity and a fondness for her little sister. But when she got older, that turned to jealousy. And so wow. She, oh, right, my goodness. Because, you know what I'm saying? Because Destiny felt like she'd been waiting so long to find love. And it's like, how, how does this kid... You know, this kid that doesn't even like boys, how does she snag a man before me? You know, wow. and and there are other sisters in the family. You know, there's the older, the oldest daughter is Liberty. Um, there's an older son, Charles, and then there's the, but the girls are kind of the focus of the story. Um, the oldest daughter is Liberty, and then Destiny is next. And then there's a set of twins, Grace and Mercy, who are always together. Um, they share a passion for music, and they have a career in the music industry. So they're like best buddies, always been best buddies. And then there's Charity, and Destiny. I mean, uh, Charity comes next, and Trinity. So Charity and Trinity, younger two, have always been close. And then Liberty and Destiny have always been close. The two older girls. So they, the oh. six girls have all paired up. So. What ends up happening in Destiny's situation is everybody starts to get married, and she's left alone. Liberty gets married, Charity gets married. Oh, my goodness. Gets married, and then Grace and Mercy have each other, so she feels like she's left out. Yes. So there are a lot the of one. dynamics. And the thing about Destiny's journey is that all of the things that happen to her are not revealed in the beginning of the story. They, okay. It takes place as she, and one of the things about it in the story is that she journals. And so that's one her feelings come out on the page when she can't say it to herself or face it in the mirror or say it to another person. And because she's coming out of a situation where she's so raw and wounded, she has to find the courage to say it, but before she can say it, she can write it. And okay. as she's going through a healing and beginning to talk about what's happened to her, because nobody there knows what's happened to her. A few people do, but they're not telling anything. They're not saying anything. They're keeping her secrets. But in order for her to move past the pain, she has to deal with it. And one of the statements that her father makes to her is that every man's journey to wholeness begins with the truth in his own heart. Mm. And she had to come to terms with her role and the, and the things that she did and the choices that she made and then not only repent, but then forgive herself because she's holding a lot of anger toward herself. 
And so okay. when she goes through the process of writing this story, she and this man who then loves her doesn't know why she's like this, and no one will tell him. And so in, in their relationship growing, she finds the courage to be real and to be truthful and then to decide what needs to be shared and what needs to let just let die. Certain things, you don't have to tell everybody all your stuff. Some, as long as you make peace with it, some things can just be buried. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have peace and it's not hanging you up anymore, then just let it go because you can end mm-hmm. up, you know, really causing more problems for yourself. So it's learning how to manage that. So it's a book that really talks about a journey to wholeness and how you're not going to get there overnight, but if you're persistent and you're honest and open with yourself and with the Lord and with the people that love you, you can get whole. You can be mm-hmm. a whole woman and you can receive love and okay. and, have, and celebrate it. It's never over. You know, it's never mm-hmm. the, it's just the turning of a page and a new chapter and the beginning of a new story. But you can, right. it's just never over. You know? Right. I hear it. I hear it. I hear a speaker in you too. Please share with Absolutely. Please Absolutely. please share with us, Melissa. What what have what have readers told you? These are the folks who we we create works for. Of course, we as the writers, we definitely benefit from what we create because it's material coming from within us. But what wow. have readers who have read Trinity's Hope and Destiny's Journey has just come out? Just 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 come out. Hot off the presses. But please tell us what readers have told you so far about these two books. Well, you know, the the thing about uh, Trinity's Hope is I've I've gotten two consistent messages out of that book. And one is for women who, and and the thing about it, these books come from a Christian perspective. So in dealing with the relationships, they do talk a lot about, you know, avoiding uh, sexual sin and things like that. That's, you know, that's unapologetic. That's intentional. It's clearly for a Christian audience or people who like to read books that have a Christian worldview. So a lot of women who've read this book who are in their 20s and 30s, who've had children without being married, have said to me, I wish I had this book when I was 16. Wow. Totally different choices. My life would be different. Totally different. Wow. Because I would, when I set foot on campus, I wouldn't have fallen for the first guy that winked at me. Oh, you know, my they, goodness. They see, wow, if I had understood, if somebody had told me this, if somebody had given me and empowered me to, to say, you don't have to give your body up to everybody to prove yes, you. Yes, yes. I would not be 26 with three kids and no husband. I've oh, my goodness. Numerous times, numerous times. The second thing I've heard is from older women who said, I did not understand. Now I can teach my daughter different. Those oh, my goodness. For the, the feedback I've gotten from Destiny's Journey is this. You know, it's I amazing that people don't know that already. That is amazing. Well, you know what? When we when we lived in generational times, when when all we saw was Mama get mad and throw Daddy out, or Auntie threw her man's clothes in the street, or so and so threw grease on her husband, if that's all we've ever known, where how would we know a different way of doing it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. Every magazine you pick up, every TV show you watch. Every demonstration of love is ending up in sex. Every every sitcom on TV, it's always about sex. Why would you think any other way? Who would tell mm-hmm. you and say you don't have to have sex with every man you meet to prove your love? Love is greater than sex. 
Love is about commitment. Love is about sharing. Love is about speaking healing words. Love is about being financially minded so that I don't make stupid mistakes and and put myself in a bad situation, trying Mm -hmm. to take care of a man financially when I have to take care of my own children. If nobody Mm. taught you, follow what's put in front of you. And so one of my goals, again, a passion, is to show women a better way to do it. And I can't sit down with every girl at 16 and say, these are all the things you need to know. I can give her this book and Mm -hmm. say, read this. I can give the book Mm -hmm. to a woman and say, take this book and give it to this girl, but you all read it together, and then talk about how she incorporates this into her life. Because we have to be able to teach the next generation, or we're going to continue with the same statistics that we keep seeing. You know, in the African-American community, between 70 and 80 Eighty percent of children are born into single-family homes, which I'm not knocking single women. I'm not knocking them at all. But how much easier would it be if we had strong men standing by your side helping you raise your sons? I have sons. I know how difficult it is. And I just want us to look at things from a different perspective, not bashing anybody, but just how can we get better as a people? Mm. Don't we want to be better as a people? I want to be better as a people. I want to leave a legacy that says, if you follow these steps, if you understand these concepts, if you understand about choices and relationships and consequences, then maybe the decisions I make will leave my life better for my children than I had to go through. And a lot Mm. of women who are reading this book are now saying that. Now I know what I didn't realize then. I can't do it for myself, but I can do it for my kids. I can do it for my grandchild. And that's the important thing about books like this. It's not just about making money for me. It's about changing a life. It's mm. about empowering a girl that when she steps on the college campus, she will keep her panties on until she gets her degree. Wow. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, you, we've, we've given girls sexual liberty, but we haven't given them wisdom. We haven't mm. teach them. We haven't taught them about sexual responsibility, not in the sense of making choices. We've taught them mm-hmm. these condoms and this, but we haven't said about choices. Who do you allow to cross the threshold of your life? Who do wow. you let come in and invade your personal space? That's your space. That place of intimacy is, should be for you and God, and then a husband. Why mm-hmm. is it so? We let this guy come in every charm. Tom, Dick, Raheem, you know, Junebug, anybody can come in and be in our personal (laughs) space. And we don't even think what they're taking away or what they're leaving behind is negative. We don't even see it. We assume Mm. you get a certain age, you just do it. But who said that's the best way? And and what ways... as we come down to like the last five minutes of today's show, Melissa, and and what ways did creating your books? We know it's had an impact on your on the readers, but in what ways did creating your books change you as a person? Oh wow! You know, um, I took oh, wow. I, I I started out self publishing. And then mm-hmm. I had situations happen with my husband, and I ended up getting connected with a publisher. Wow! And congratulations. I learned, thank you, with a uh, uh, Nevaeh Publishing. Uh, Dwan Abrams is my publisher. Shout out, awesome woman. But I had to learn that I don't know everything. That I'm not always right. 
that someone's perspective can help engage and broaden my sense of things. And when someone knows the industry better than you know, you better listen. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean you check all of your choices at the door, that you give every, give up all control. You do have to stand your ground, and you have to know what you believe in. But there are times you have to open up and say, let me hear what they have to say, because yes, maybe what they yes. know is better than I know. Mm, and so and, and, and it, it, you can, I can be kind of dogmatic, you know, about things in the book, and I mm-hmm. want this to stay and I don't want that to stay. But I had to understand that this woman has a knowledge level that will increase me if I would listen. And that was hard mm. for me. That was mm-hmm. hard because I wanted it to be the way I wanted it to be. And I, I think as I think as that's hard for all writers. Yeah. I, yes. Yeah. Now everybody can't do that for you. You have to have the right match. They have to right. feel you and hear you, and you. But you have to be willing to listen, and you have mm-hmm. to be willing to give up your baby and give up some control and let them help you shape it and make it better. Like I said, you do have to stand your ground. There were some issues. We had some emails going back and forth that got kind of. <laughs> You know, and there were some things she gave up, and there's some things I gave up. We had to right. we had to learn the word compromise. Okay, but I, I, it's a better product for me having listened. It's a better product, and I have to, I have to give her that. Oh, oh my goodness! Even though I didn't like it at the time, I had to give her right. That. You know. Kudos to you! Kudos to you that you're 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 willing to learn. That's how we grow. Please tell our off the shelf listeners again, Melissa, where they can get copies of your books as we come down to the end of today's show. Where they can go out and get get a copy of your books, and then also check out check you out on the internet at social networks, your website. If you can just give our listeners places where they can find you online. Yes, ma'am. My website is again writtenworks dot net. Um, that's writtenworks. .net. That is my um, literary home online. Um, there are links there to, to purchase the books. You can read about me. There are a couple of programs that I have sponsoring um, that you can read about if you want to get the, church, the, the book in your church groups or community groups. Um, I'm on Amazon. I'm on Barnes & Noble, uh, Smashwords. The books are available through Nook and Kindle and pretty much every kind of media you can imagine. Um, I don't know that we're yet in bookstores across the country. I'm, I'm, I'm represented by a small independent press, and, you know, that's sometimes that's a bit of a struggle to get shelf space. But if you walk into any Barnes & Noble and ask to order the book, they will order it and ship it to you. You can pay there at the store. Some people don't like to shop online. Um, but you can get the books there online. I am on Facebook. I'm on Goodreads. Um, I'm, um, I have some blogs. All of the things that you can connect me with in different areas are found on that website. Or even if you just Google my name, it's Melissa Ewell Miller, E-W-E-L-L, like Jewel without the J, uh, Miller, um, and that will connect you to all of my websites. Um, and I and I do help authors. I give advice. I, I I believe that what I do for other people and what I make happen for them, God will make happen for me. So I almost always willing to ask the questions. Um, I don't really have time to review material like I used to before, um, but I do offer advice, literary advice, um, answer questions about the process. Um, always open. Always willing to help anybody. Oh, thank you so much. We have I've truly thank enjoyed you. you, Melissa. And I'm sure our listeners have as well. Those who tuned in live, thank you. And those who are in the chat room, thank you. And I'm acknowledging you. I have been 
flipping in and out of the chat room, so I'm, I'm aware of you. So thank you for those who have come into the chat room. We appreciate you. And those who have dialed in, we appreciate you. And those who will tune in, we have people who tune into the show from so many different sources. And then there are people who will tune in after, like maybe on tomorrow or on Monday. And as the days go by, they'll listen to the show. So we thank all of you. And thanks thanks to Melissa again. She is the author of Trinity's Hope and Destiny's Journey. It's a book of it's a ser- book series, and there will be other books coming out. She's online at writtenworks, W-R-I-T-T-E-N-W-O-R-K-S.net, writtenworks.net. So please go check her out. And come back next Saturday, 11 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time, and we will bring you another fabulous guest where you can learn more about the book industry, how you can become a published author yourself, and ways you can promote and market your work and learn about great, entertaining, inspiring, and uplifting books. Thank you so much, Melissa. Remember, as I always tell you, you're so truly valued and incredibly blessed. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. I appreciate you, and I thank you. Bye for now. Melissa, I'll shoot you an email. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.